Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, we have recorded live. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, we are talking about the knowledge that surpasses all other knowledge. Under the big theme of things that I want to know. Somewhere, Somewhere along life, we have to make that decision. What is it that I want to know? As you grow up, there are the question is, you know, who do you know? Because who do you know that kind of lends itself to what you do in life? You have to have connections, don't you? Almost everything, you have to have a connection. You work over at uh, the shop, right? Yeah. You had a connection. You wouldn't have found, found known about that little job for a while. Are you still there? Good. All right. Got a ways to go or about done? Uh, you still got a ways to go. But you see, almost everything we do growing up or starting a new field is you have to know somebody. You know somebody and you develop that friendship or relationship and that leads to another thing. But ultimately the question uh, is, you know, who, who do I need to know about that makes a difference in where I spend eternity? And so that's why Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8 is saying there is a knowledge about a person who you know that makes all the difference in the world and makes all other knowledge really not relevant. We started out this series by talking about Jesus and what he taught about freedom. Freedom is the sense achieved when you think clearly and confidently about immortality. Now, if you can't repeat that back to me, then I'm going to say it again. Because that's what I'm looking at as the summary of when we were in the Gospel of John Based uh, that began this series, he talked about if if you believe what I say, you'll be free indeed because truth produces freedom. And if you are sanctified by truth, you will be freed indeed. So he's talking about the freedom here. Jesus introduces that, and that it's your understanding of who Jesus is that produces then that idea of freedom as it is based on your understanding of immortality. Those who believe in me shall what? Never die. So freedom is that sense that is achieved when we think 
clearly and confidently about immortality. We will never die. And you see, then as we really get a handle on that and get our brains wrapped around that, then there is a freedom, not, not that you don't want your country to be free, but that's a whole different ballgame. We're talking about what Jesus said is freedom indeed, that it doesn't make any difference what your circumstances in life are, what your condition in life is, that if you have the proper, clear understanding of immortality and you're in that state of resurrection, I will never die, then you have a freedom that surpasses all other freedoms. And it cannot be taken away. You can turn your back on it, but no outside force can come and rip you from that. <clears throat> so um, I, don't, I don't know whether we're are we are we okay with the chart and everything? Oh, well, not I'm just all right. So understand those things, ponder them, think about it, and and. The sense of freedom that you have will always be measured directly and correlated directly with your clarity of thought regarding your immortality. We put it on. And it's in Christ. So we, to, to have the assurance of that immortality, we need to know exactly who it is that Jesus is and most of the understanding about who he is is not accurate. Why base your sense of immortality built on a person if your understanding is improper? Let's get it straight, because the Bible has it straight. And we begin with Jesus then in understanding that we have to have our belief in Jesus from a three dimensions. He said that, so um, that's nothing new. And those three dimensions are three time frames. Who can list the three time frames? Pretty tough. Oh, you got it, Pat. Do you want your certificate now? She's going to pass this grade. huh? She's, gonna, she's just going to move right into immortality. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so... We have to understand where Jesus came from. Can, can, anybody, can anybody else except for Jesus Christ match? What about Buddha? Can he match that? What about Muhammad? See, there is nobody. We, we have lost a lot of our strength today in the church because we don't think systematically about who it was that Jesus says and, I mean, about who he was. And when we talk about him, we speak in such general terms that it doesn't make any or cause any conviction. But when we believe, as the Bible states, that all of the 4,000 years of history bringing us down to the time of Christ is recorded and is agreed upon in Cytronius history as well, we have a history that presents to us one who fulfilled over 300... That's annoying, isn't it? 
300 prophecies that were all brought together in one person and fulfilled in Bethlehem in Jesus' birth. He came from God 4,000 years of history to bring us to an understanding of the one who would be born in Bethlehem, and he was. That's his past. We don't know some things about his past, but he's the only begotten God. He is not equal with God. He is always as the Son, subject to the Father, always called the Father his Lord, his God. And so that, that's dealing with his origin. I came forth from the Father. We've read all of those passages. And you know, that's a powerful claim. This, this man, Jesus, with his origin, this man is something else. What a powerful claim. If it is true, the claim, and we reject it, that's big trouble. But if it is true, and there's evidence to demonstrate to us that it is true, and we understand that evidence, and we accept him on the basis of that evidence, then we have to decide what are we going to do about it. Because if this man was from God then we have to pay attention to what it is he said and what he did. That removes all the doubt. If this man is truly as he said, I came forth from the Father, then you had better sit down and pay attention. You buy that, Kaipel? Amen. Then we talked about his mission while he was here, and we're going to talk more about that. We're going to spend more time on that. But thirdly, his destiny. And there's a couple of verses that I wanted to read right over here. Can you see that? Can you read that print? Back to you. you that. Let's read a couple of verses there. Um, let's go to Romans chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. Romans chapter 1. Now, Greg doesn't very often know just where I'm going to go. You know why he doesn't know where I'm going to go? You got it. I don't know either. (laughs) Well, I I never know quite for sure how I'm going to develop things because it kind of, you know, depends on who you all are and how asleep you are. All right, let's look at chapter 1 of Romans. Romans 1, 3, and 4. Now, Now here we are talking about his origin and his destiny in in the same verse, in the same context. So verse 3, and we want to read verses 3 and 4 of Romans chapter 1, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. That's, you know, the mission point of the chart, who was declared, and and now we're talking about his destiny, who was declared the Son of God with power as a result of the resurrection from the dead. 
according to the spirit of holiness, you know, the, the thing that holiness would have to say about it, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he was declared the Son of God with power, capability, dynamos is that word power. It's the, our word dynamite comes from that word. According to the spirit of holiness, that's not a separate entity, it's a description of holiness. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here we have it introduced to us what his destiny would be. He, is, he was born as the descendant of David, and then by the resurrection declared to be the Son of God, according to the spirit of holiness, having come forth from the dead, so that you and I would know that if he can, so can we. And that if the destiny is right, then we can share in his destiny. We can partake of that of which he has partaken of if what he partook of is true. And he says that the demonstration of his resurrection is what, it is, what enables you to understand that your destiny can be as his destiny. Now go with me to Romans, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, let's focus in on verse 6. Hebrews chapter 8, excuse me, 8 and verse 6. But now, see, we talked about the resurrection in Romans 1. Now, what beyond that? But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant. So now he is in a position of administrating a better covenant than what he was born in, which was the covenant of the old law. Now he is where he can administrate a better covenant with greater promises. Notice, which has been enacted on better promises. And he's got that right up here. Do you see that? By by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. Why would you want to go back under the law? If the one who has proved himself by his resurrection to be as this verse teaches us, having obtained a more excellent ministry, and that ministry is to be the executor of a better covenant. And the executors of that will are the apostles. Okay, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 1. And verses 1 to 3. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. God who spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets. See, no other religion has this kind of history, folks. God placed his whole scheme of redemption in history. After he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, 
in these last days of which he was speaking of, in particularly the last days of the Hebrews, last days of Judah, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory. Glory means to be recognized. The radiance of his recognition and the exact representation of his nature. Not the same person, but father like son, son like father. The exact representation of his nature, just as Second Peter chapter 1 says, we are all to be partakers of that divine nature. How do we get there? Through the adherence of the scripture. Now, we go on, and he upholds all things through the word of his power, holds everything together, like in Colossians 1.17, it says all of the universe, all of the, all of the molecular structure of the worlds and the universe are held together by the word of his power. Now, that's saying something, folks. That's talking to you about something that nobody else can do. Mohammed can't do that. Buddha can't do that. But Jesus Christ is the one that is holding all the factors of our universe together by the word of his power. Now, when he had, notice in verse 3, the latter, latter part of this verse, when he had made purification of sins. So if all of this has not yet taken place, then there is no purification. Well, of course we know that by the resurrection and what happened on the day of Pentecost, that's all been completed. And with the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., everything is now complete. Representation of his nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power when he had made purification of sin. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So where is he now? This is talking about his destiny. So he's in a different role now. We read 1 Corinthians 15 two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that said that he would remain on this throne until he had brought all of his enemies under his feet, and then he would take that throne and give it back to the Father so that God may be all in all God. That's 1 Corinthians 15. We read that last week and, and uh, or. Uh, three weeks ago. Okay, so we have the past. His origin is with God. That means pay attention. His destiny means that everything that he's done to this point is right on track. Pay attention. Now, let's look at his ministry, and let's begin now uh, over here uh, with what's taking place in the book of Hebrews, and we've already, we need to go back over one more. There we go, a little bit further, and then down. From Hebrews the things that he accomplished as a man. Let's don't forget that he had a, his place. He came from the Father. He was begotten, and God sent him as his only begotten son into the world. He had a destiny. We've talked about that destiny this morning. 
Now his mission while he was here. Look at the things that Jesus accomplished as, and the Bible specifically says he accomplished these things as a man. What our claim is that when Jesus came as a man, he put aside all of his identity with God in Philippians chapter 2 and became as we are in all things. The Bible teaches that. Now, so verse 1, this may be a little bit small here, but he, he became, and uh, uh, the adequate, we've already read some of these verses, the adequate sacrifice for all sin. He is not the sacrifice, uh, God is not the sacrifice. Jesus had to become man in order to become the sacrifice. And as a man, and as the sacrifice for men, he was adequate for all of mankind. He was the sacrifice appointed by God to deal with the sin debt. Then number two, in Hebrews 2.11, if your, if your notes uh, still say 14, it should be verse, two, uh, verse 11, he enabled us to be as he was. He enabled all of mankind to be with him as a brother of the sanctified. We, have, we are enabled by Christ to become as he was, set aside and made holy by God. And when we enter into what Alex talked about earlier today, we become sanctified and equal to the Father, I mean uh, equal to the Son. He enabled us to be as he was, sanctified through truth. He also, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, he rendered Satan powerless. He did so as a man. Look at, uh, look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. I, 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 we've read this before, but I, I need to read it again. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, see that, became as you are, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So as a man, as one of us, he was able to render Satan powerless. Now we need to get a hold of that. Fourthly, he acquired, in Hebrews 2, 9, and 10, he acquired perfection. Let's look at those, uh, Hebrews 2, 9, and 10. But we do see him who was made for a little while. Now, there's the key, isn't it? He became as one of us for how long? For a little while. Why do people have such a problem with it? When Jesus, while he was here for a little while, he was just as one of us. You can see why the Dark Ages has had such a terrible influence on the people thinking today. We do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that through the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. That was in God's plan. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things, 
it gives us a reason on why why iron ore can be made into sheet metal and all of that kind of stuff. All of that was because Jesus, because of him. For whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect. Folks, this is the key here. He had to become as one of us to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. So Jesus, as one of us, was not perfect until he was tried. And as God cannot be tempted in James, Jesus was tempted because he was not God. He was as one of us. And he was made perfect because in temptation and in suffering, he remained true. He had the right value system. So in verse 11, which is what we really read back here in this verse uh, number 2, but I'll read it while we're here. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So he enabled us to be as he was before in God's sight, sanctified as he was as well. So we participate as he was. He came to participate as we are so that we could become as he was and will be and is. All right, let's read another one here. See if we can finish these real quick. We only got a couple of minutes. So number five, as a man, he qualified as our high priest. Now, of course, where I'm going through this list, and we may not be able to complete it after. I didn't realize how late it was getting. But, folks, when you look at all the things that he accomplished as a man, where specifically specifically says he became a man to do this and this and this, then you wonder what else could there possibly be for him to accomplish except what he accomplished as a man. Your salvation was accomplished with him being a man. His high priesthood was accomplished with him being a man. His ability to sanctify was accomplished because he was as one of us. All the things that we look to him for, the book of Hebrews tells us specifically that he had to become a man in order to provide that for us. And there is nothing else that he came to do. So let's read one more verse there and we'll close. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2, 16, 17, and 18. Verse 16, for assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Therefore, verse 17, therefore, that is, if you want to be a part of the descendancy of Abraham, which is, you know, all uh, uh, Galatians chapter 3 says that those who have been baptized into Christ have become sons of Abraham. Now, you ought to know that, because if you're not a descendant of Abraham, you have no hope. You need to know that, and you ought to you know, understand that. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren. See, all the things that you and I look to him for, and for him to do and accomplish, 
it is prefaced by that statement. He had to be made like his brethren, you and me. He had to become as one of us. So let's not call him while he was here God. He came from God. He went back and was given a delegated, a delegated position as God for a while until he turned it back to the Father in 1 Corinthians 15, 28. But while he was here, he was as one of you, one of us. Let's read on. Therefore, he had to be made like his brother. Notice this is the first thing he said in verse 14. Same thing that he said here in verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like unto his brethren in all things. Now, how many things is that? Everything. Now, if you have a problem with that, don't take it up with me. <laughs> That's just what it says. He had to be made like his brethren in all things. And when you hear that he had to be half God and half man, folks, that is nonsense. Get it out of your head. That destroys everything that he came to do. So that be made like his brethren in all things, so that. In other words, it is being like you that enabled him to do what he came to do so that he might present himself, become a faithful and uh, uh, merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. If he was something other than God, he has no merit with God at all in your behalf. He was as we are. That is what enabled him to have contact and connection with God in things pertaining to his high priesthood. Now notice the rest of that verse. So that he might become a, he had to be made like unto his brethren in all things. So that he might become a faithful, merciful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So the, the ability for him to, to, make pro, uh, to, to uh, make propitiation, the covering for the sins of the people, was based on who he was. And folks, he became as one of us, and that was being as one of us that enabled him to be our merciful and, and faithful high priest. Verse 18, and we'll close. For since he himself was tempted in that he was suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. That's where you have your connection with Jesus, folks, because he was as one of us. And I know, I know what the world is saying. They have perverted Jesus because of the Calvinistic tendency even in the Christian churches, churches of Christ. But folks, let's hang to what's right. Let's hang to what's true. Let's understand who Jesus is so that that knowledge of him is truly the knowledge that surpasses all other knowledge. And that's where we're aiming to, what we're aiming to establish in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. That knowledge that surpasses all other knowledge. Let's get a right and pure understanding of who Jesus was, what he came to do, and what he came to do, he had to be a man 
and able to accomplish it to your benefit, I'm going to sing. What is the song? There it is. We're all wonderful words of life. Oh, that's a great one. Anybody want to have a trumpet you want to play for us? Okay. Let's stand as we sing. Wonderful words of life. And I think it's number 13 in your hymnals if you can't read it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.